please uh, turn your Bibles or your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to be reading from verses 1 to 20. Let's begin. Again, it's Matthew 28, verse 1 to 20. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him. And keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Please join me in another word of prayer. Lord, thank you. We thank you for this day. The day that our Lord Jesus had victory over death. Through this resurrection, Lord God, Jesus prevailed over death, and in that process, Lord, have given hope to the entire mankind, to those who will accept Him as Lord. Grant us victory over this pandemic, Lord God, that we are facing. And Lord, grant us love over hate, faith over fear, truth over lies, and strength over weakness. Father, as you celebrate as we celebrate your resurrection, please lead us to victory and grant us a resurrected life as well, one that will glorify you and lead people to you. The war we fight, Lord, is without blades. It is through your word that is our truth and is our sword. 
As we say, as we say that, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit, we ask that your Holy Spirit guide us and teach us through your word. Lord, let it tell us about all about you, all about your truth, all about your faithfulness, all about your power, everything that you will for us and your ways for us. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you bless my efforts, but Lord, do override it as you see fit. Let you and you alone speak to your people, Lord God, like always. And Lord, I pray that you are pleased with us. This we ask in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. I entitled our message tonight with the words that were uttered by the angel that we just read. It reads, oh, am I going out? Next slide. Slide title. Just as he said. Just as he said. And tonight we have three points. First point is he is faithful. Second point is it's never enough. And our third point is our part. As the entire Christian world celebrates and observes the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which prove this event proved to the world that Jesus is who he says he is. And, and I want us to focus on his faithfulness tonight. This is greatly needed for any believer and to the world to know that everything that God has, has said, which is written down in his word in the Bible, it, will, it has come true and it will come true. It will be fulfilled. But before we expose what we read in Matthew 28, I want to give us a few observations before we get to our three points. The first observation is women, the women in the story that we read. Women were the first witnesses. In a society that did not take uh, a woman's, uh, uh, they didn't value them. They weren't a priority. Much more their, their witness will be a priority. Or be heard and they weren't even heard in court their witnesses weren't heard in court so for God to choose women as the first witnesses to the resurrection for us it proves two things number one God values everyone God values the male and the female God does not see how the society sees he values us. He does not think the way we do. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139.14. So I want to say if you're feeling alone and or feeling undervalued by your family or your peers, know that God values you, even if, even if no one does. And it also tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose the choose or chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. The first witnesses for Jesus' resurrection, God chose women to be that. Not because they talk more or they like to tell, tell stories more. Yeah, because I feel like it's because God, in the way that he tells us that he values everybody. And if you were making up a story, if, you, if this was a make-up story, a make-believe story, the author, especially during that time, will not choose women to be the first witnesses if you are trying to uh, facilitate or, or, or make up a story because you would want a valid witness. 
you were to make it up. So those two points for the women. Next observation are the guards. The Roman guards were the best of the best during their time. Uh, they were trained killers. And there were possibly a handful of them. Um, some, some said maybe about 16, three groups of four. They were watching the grave in intervals because it was such a big deal for them to make sure that no one takes the body of Jesus. Right? So nothing in this world can compare and stand what the heavens have what the heavens have and is. I want to I want to say this because I want to bring you back to what we read where these trained killers saw the angel. When they saw the angel, they all were like dead. And I I want you to also see on the scripture where the angel told the women, "Fear not." But you didn't see him saying that or the angel saying that to the guards. Basically, the angel wanted the guards to fear him. The third point is the rock. The rock that covered the grave was moved. Now, I want to ask you, I know you can't reply, but um, which is a good thing sometimes. <laughs> but you can comment there. Why was the rock moved? Why was the rock moved? And I saw, I saw this cartoon today on my Facebook feed where Jesus was getting out of the grave and the Roman soldier said, oh no, you're going back in there. It's quarantine time. <laughs> it was not moved so that Jesus can get out of the grave. It was moved so that we are able to come in and see. The women were able to come in and see. It was moved not because Jesus needed to get out of that, that hole where the rock was. It was moved so that the disciples, the women, and everybody else that wanted to see that Jesus wasn't there, it was moved for us to come in and see it. So now, what are the implications of this truth to this event? So our first point is He is faithful. We read that in Matthew 28, 6. Because he says there, which is our title, he is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Somehow, the, the angel was kind of telling, it was like a, a, a counseling part. He was basically reminding them that just as he said, remember, just as he said, he's not here, he has risen, just as he said. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 8, Okay, this is Paul. For what I received, I passed on to you as, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. See, everything that was written down in the Bible has been fulfilled or is happening now, is being fulfilled now, and will be fulfilled in the future. Everything. Just as he said, it will happen just as he said. And then here on verse 5, verse 5 to 6 to 7 and to 8 is basically Paul daring his readers to go and verify this story about Jesus resurrecting from the dead. The, the first Corinthians 15 was written 20 years after the, uh, uh, the resurrection. 20 years after. 
and from what I've read and from what I've heard is is the 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 basically his point is go ahead and validate if what I'm saying is true and it's not like a big area uh, Asia Minor and then the other province is just about it's very close to each other to where you can go if you're reading this you could actually go to the town and start talking to these people who are still alive and verify the story now the truth is everybody has been trying to there's been a lot of people that's been saying that this resurrection uh, didn't really happen up to now, you're probably going to get, I don't know if there's any articles that's out there, but I know last year there was where it was saying that there is not enough evidence for the resurrection to be validated. You know, some people, that will be publicized, but then the other ones that have been uh, really, truly investigating it, they'll say otherwise. But for many years now, it's been many years where people have been trying to, to discount the resurrection, but they continue to fail year after year after year. Everything, every promise, every prophecy, everything that God has said has been fulfilled, has been completed, and will be fulfilled in His time. Whether you care about it or not, whether we care about it or not, the illustration here that I have is the coronavirus of the COVID-19. It started in Wuhan, China, back in, according to the reports, and we're, we're, I'm reading things where they're saying that China falsely made their reports. Because uh, as far as we know, it started in November um, of last year. Um, it was already infecting people there. It was already killing people. I was hearing it. I heard it from my cousin when, before it started getting bigger in the news that they said it was already coming into the Philippines. And he was already telling me to buy face masks. And I was just ignoring it because I felt like, you know, that's an Asia problem. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to care about it. But it's here. Same with the truth about Jesus and His resurrection from the very beginning. He has been true. He has always been true. And He is real. And He, from the very beginning, God has been truly pursuing you and me. Whether we believe it or not, whether we like it or not, God is true. Jesus was crucified for your sins and mine, and he, was, he, and he resurrected three days after. Whether you care about it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, that happened. Many people have been trying to do investigations on this, and they would come out differently. Because at the end of the day, and that will be our second point, at the end of the day, it's really true. It's based on the heart of the person of what they see and how they receive the truth about Jesus' resurrection. This is the second point, Matthew 24, 46. It says here, watch that Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but to see, but see to it that you are not alarmed. See, such things must happen but the end is still to come. And in 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, he reads, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, 
have nothing to do with such people. I gave you two verses where it was it's still telling us that it's probably getting fulfilled now, and it will still it's telling us about us about the future. Just look at your social media right now. May, hopefully it's not you. <laughs> hopefully it's just your friends. You could you could see this lovers of themselves not caring about God, just loving about they just love pleasure. You would hear about people talking about I can't wait that till this quarantine is done so I can start working out again, or so I can start you know doing other things and. You, you will barely hear or rarely hear people say, I can't wait so I can go back to church. You know, those are the things that you don't hear people say. I can't wait so I can go back to church and finally sit in the front pew, closer to the pastor. <laughs> those are the things we don't hear, right? Those are the things that we don't hear. I want to share this story just to give us a little break because the subject's getting too serious. And, and I told... John Gosselin and John John here, where it's kind of hard to give a joke when you don't know if it's working or not. <laughs> but I'll do it anyway. All right. So, you know, Resurrection Sunday, Easter, this family's tradition, the Wilson's family tradition, is that after church, and the Wilson is the pastor of this church, their tradition is they're always invited by the, the best cook at church. Um, this is... Um, Mrs. Wilma. Mrs. Wilma always invites the Wilsons for Easter brunch or Easter lunch. And the, 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 the family just love it because she's one of the best cooks, right? So they get in there, they, they get their they see the meal, they see the spread. And Johnny, their son, when he got his plate, he started eating. He started eating fast. And then the pastor, the dad, said, Hey Johnny, not till we pray. Okay, don't eat until we pray. And he's like very embarrassed, like, hey, this is my son. I'm a pastor. You should know better. And then Johnny said, well, not here. We do it at our, at our house. We don't do it here. And then, and then the, the dad goes, oh, no, no, no. The mom chimed in, actually. No, no, Johnny. We pray at our house, and we pray here or wherever we are. We, pray for, we say grace before we eat. And then the, Johnny goes, not with Mrs. Wilma's cooking, maybe with your cooking, Mom. <laughs> what do you think, John? It works? <laughs> anyway, I took a stab at it. <laughs> Where was I? All right, third point on, on the first point. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You know, Jeff, is it Jeff Bezos or Bezos? CEO and founder of the e-commerce colossus Amazon. He has been reported now that his net worth is $124.7 billion. Next to Bill and next is Bill Gates, who is now worth $104.1 billion. Now imagine getting a call from one of these guys, right? And, and then they said, Hey, because of your profile picture on Facebook, I think it's one of the best, you know. 
I like your stories. Um, you have the prettiest children. You have the prettiest family. I will pay for all your credit card bills, if you have any. And all of your monthly expenses. And I will pay off your mortgage. And this will happen for the rest of your life. If you get that call and you verify that these it was one of these two, and then knowing that they do have the money, after I told you the number, right? Do your research. It was really them. And then you get the check that the following month. You get everything paid off. Um, let me ask you, will you still worry about money? Probably not, right? You're probably not going to worry about money. You're probably going to take that. That call will be one of the biggest things that ever, greatest things that ever happened in your life. And that will be the end of you worrying for money. And then you kind of have that, that affirmation or confirmation that, man, Jeff has my back or Bill has my back. I don't have to worry anymore. And you take such comfort in that because you know that the people that told you that do have the money, are capable of doing that. Now, if you look at the verse, the first verse, verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said. And then in, in, in the story of the resurrection, the account of the resurrection, he is not here. He is risen just as he said. And I'm emphasizing that everything that God has said in his word, all his promises to us, it will happen. And we know that we've been studying in this church constantly, constantly, Sunday after Sunday, on how powerful God is, how faithful he is, how true he is to his word. Now, we see this, and it says there, Keep your lives free from the love of money. Why is it there? And then he goes by, the, the writer of the Hebrews goes, Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Why all of a sudden, why is it, it contrast money and then God not leaving us? Why did he contrast that? Because you know why? Because our tendency as people is that we take money over God most of the time. Sadly. Most of the time. And that, that promise is Deuteronomy 31.6. And then the result of that should be this. We should be able to say with confidence, if we take God for what He said, and we believe that He is powerful and He is faithful, and we believe in His promises, the result is this. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Not my bank account, not my work, not my overtime, not my raise, not my career, but the Lord. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That's Psalm 118, 6-7. Now we can argue. We can deny. We don't have to like it. But if it is written down, if it has been said by our Lord, it is good. It is good as done. Same thing as when a billionaire calls you and tells you, I'll pay for everything that you need it should be done right now here's a quote from Tim Keller if Jesus rose from the dead then you have to accept all that he said and if he didn't rise from the dead then why worry about any of what he said the issue on which everything hangs is not whether you whether or not you like his teaching but whether or not he rose from the dead 
That's from Timothy Keller from his book, The Reason for, uh, Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. I like this quote. Not because I, I, like, I like Tim Keller, because he's so wise and God's really speaking to me through him. And if you just look at that, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then everything about Christianity is a fail. Even the crucifixion. Even the crucifixion would have been a fail. The, 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 the Christmas story would have been just another story, like the greatest story of the, like movies. That would have just been it. But if Jesus truly rose from the dead, that proved that Jesus is who he says he is. That shows us that his promises will happen. That tells us that he is faithful. That tells us that we are saved from our sins because he had victory from sin. He died the death that we were supposed to, 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 die, to die. He lived the life that we were supposed to live. And then he rose from the dead, giving us victory over death. Now, if again, let me just read this again. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything? Anything that he said. So the issue is not about what he said, whether you like it or not. The issue is if he rose from the dead. The issue, we were all told now, that um, we are supposed to do social distan dist distancing. We're supposed to wear face masks. We're supposed to wash our hands because the coronavirus is our, in, in our midst. Now, whether you like it or not, the coronavirus is in our midst. So it's really up to you if you want to follow the protocol that the government's telling us, the medical people that studied it. And if you don't, then the consequences are on you. So it's the same thing with God. Everything that he said for us to do and not do is for our own good. Everything that he said, because he created us and he knows what is best for us. So at the end of the day, it doesn't mean it does it doesn't matter if we don't like it or not. If we if we are told to that we can just be intimate with the opposite sex and we should be intimate during marriage. If we are told that and we don't like it, then we violate that, then the consequences are on us. It doesn't mean that God's not good. It doesn't mean that He's making your life boring. But that's the lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is He always tells us that God is telling us not to have fun. While all along, God is trying to really protect His people. Our second point, never enough. You know, um, uh, Taylor Swift, I think, right, Johnson? The, the hater is going to hate. Don't pretend you don't listen to Taylor Swift now. <laughs> the Taylor Swift had this song. <laughs> Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Haters will never, if, if somebody doesn't like you, there is nothing that you can say or do that will make them happy or make them like you. Even if you had the best intention in the world to help this person out, they will always see a negative thing, the negative part of what you're trying to do, right? Let's say you were feeling to, feeling God spoke to you and told you, hey, be love your enemies, offer them, 
offer them food and you're in school or you're at work and you see this person that you know hates you and you kind of hate them in return and you say hey dude uh, you want some of my burger right and then this person because haters are gonna hate and it's you know he's gonna say why you think I, I'm hungry Why you think I don't have enough money on my own I don't have money on my own to buy my own lunch how dare you plus what is there is there poison there is that why you're offering me that right it's never enough you can never do anything right for the person that truly doesn't want to listen to you or believe you that you have the best intention for them. It's the same thing with, with people against God. If you look here in Matthew 28, 12-13, when the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, and you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. Now, an observation here. How many things can you actually really do if you're sleeping? Much more, how can you truly identify a robber? Let's say you were sleeping at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, a robber goes in your home, takes your TV in your bedroom. When you wake up and find out, when you actually say, Oh, you know, it was John Goslin who took my, my TV. It was him. How can you honestly say that you make, you can make that right right? Um, I know you guys are going to be my victims, man. You guys are my only material right now. <laughs> How can you actually say that, right? How? If you're sleeping. So that alone is, is an error. Tell them that you were sleeping and it was the disciples that took him away. Right? Stupid excuse. But they devised a plan. Listen, the chief priests were told that the body resurrected. That Jesus resurrected. The chief priests were told, we saw an angel. And we almost died seeing him. But they didn't care about that. They didn't care. They said, here, here's a lot of money. Be quiet. They gave him a, a non-disclosure agreement. An NDA. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. So the sin. The sin of lying. There's a sin of lying there. That's why I'm giving an observation about that. The sin of lying gives birth to another sin. And then lying takes away the truth about the situation. And it destroys the liar and the people that will believe the lie. The chief priest did not have the people's best interest. What they had... It was for their own benefit. They wanted to keep their power. They wanted to enslave people. And they wanted to make sure that Jesus, Jesus will be denied. That they will, He will be denied of these people to believe Him. That's a sad thing. Because they were given an account. First had witnesses from these soldiers. And then look at this one. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story had been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. No matter how conclusive, no matter how convincing, like the resurrection of Jesus, if a person's heart will not accept the truth, even if their minds have logically, logically, uh, even if it, logically explained to their minds and it was revealed to them, they will choose not to believe it. Someone did say, I forgot who, but I heard it in a preaching. 
This atheist said, I don't want Christ and his teachings to be true. I don't want it to be true. Because I want to continue with my sexual exploitations. He wants to continue with his, 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 his life. He didn't, didn't want to be, 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 be restrained by, what, by, by the Bible, by the commands of God. So he, he could care less if Christ was true. What he cared about was to satisfy his own selfish desires. For many, the inconvenient truth about God, which are the things that He said that we are not supposed to be doing, are the ones that are stopping them from accepting the truth about Jesus. You know, when, when, you, when, you, when I'm trying to share the gospel to somebody, and then they'll tell me, oh man, that's not for me. I can't. I can't, I can't do that right now. Because maybe they're they're living in sin with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or or there's something that they want to they don't want to give up. There there's something that they know that God's revealing to them in their hearts that what they're doing is, is against His will and they don't want to give that up. They they believe they would rather believe the lie of the enemy. Remember we've we, we've tackled this a couple of times. Surely God didn't say. You follow God, your life will be boring. You're gonna be a square. You're gonna, you're you're gonna be. Uh, what did my bored again? You're bored again, right? You're bored again. You still wanna be a pastor? You're gonna be bored. You wanna read your Bible again? You're gonna be at church again? You wanna do prayer meeting again? What's wrong with you? During this pandemic, we, the Nevada state, together with other states, were told to stay in place. And then we were recently told to wear face masks in, when in public practice social distancing. Some could care less because it's either they don't want to wear the face mask or they don't have the face mask or they just think they're too strong and healthy to acquire this sickness. And they don't care. They don't want to listen. That Even if they don't get sick, they could pass it along. They don't care. They could care less. It's the same with the truth about God. It doesn't matter if, if it's true for them. It doesn't matter how true it can be, what evidence, the evidence is that's going to be given to them. They don't care if it's real because they want to continue to live their lives without a higher being to basically tell them things to not do and do. They just want to live their life on their own. They want to be the gods of their own, of their own lives. But the resurrection tells us that God is real, that Jesus is real. That he resurrected on the third day. And whether we like it or not, he will fulfill the rest of the things that's been written down in the scriptures. Third point, our part. Our part is in Matthew 28, 18 and 20. I know we read this. And then um, I want you guys to think, it, it, in, in verse 18, it says, Jesus, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Can you, can you please just think about that for a moment again? All authority. This is Jesus, the resurrected Christ. Jesus that was crucified on the cross. And we studied that last Friday, right? We, we discussed it. Jesus was going, for, according to the medical doctor, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, if you're being, if your your nails were were, were nailed and your your feet was nailed, uh, were nailed, the, when your weight shifts, 
and the bottom part it's excruciatingly painful so you try to if you shift up so that you'll be hanging on your on your hands it's again an excruciating pain so he said this it, I don't know if you caught it I don't know if you watched it but he said you go from excruciating pain to excruciating pain that same Jesus that same Jesus that suffered on the cross that same Jesus resurrected, and that same Jesus is now saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So now, let me say, let me say this for us believers who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. Do we actually see Jesus as a, as a person in authority of our lives? Is he someone that we call Lord? Or it's just, or it's just an exercise, an opening of our mouth that we don't even think the implications of that word "Lord." Did you just want Jesus as your Savior? You know, the Savior part is the result of you accepting Him as Lord. You know, um, Jamie, I've never really noticed it, but I was always been in the habit. I've always been, when I introduce myself, I always say, "Hi, I'm I'm Joe Salcido." I I tell them my first and my last name always, all the time. Because that's what I was told to do. I was, I was taught in school. And Jamie found, you know, she was laughing one time and she goes, why do you even say your last name? I'll go, well, because that's me. I'm Joe Salcido. You know, if you think about, if you think about it, if you think about Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior, then He must be your Lord. You can't just have the Savior without the Lord. And, and frankly, you can't have the Lord without the Savior because the Savior is the, the result of Him being your Lord. But most of us, most of us Christians, this is a, how, how many, this is our, uh, our Resurrection Sunday. The joke is this. Some Christians only come on Christmas and Resurrection and New Year's, right? Those are the three holidays, and sometimes on their birthday. Those are the four times that they actually do come to church. And guess what? One of those Sundays were taken away from you this year. It's this Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday. You actually missed one church. Some of us don't care because we're saved by grace, right? Saved by grace. Why would I even come to church? Now you got it. Now you got what you were you were uh, maybe desiring because God will give us the desires of our heart, right? And for me as a pastor, before, right, when I come to church, there, there's this thing because here at church we count. How many people came? Now the numbers don't even matter anymore. It's just the matter, the number, the, the number that matters right now for me, and it always should be like that, is is uh, is that I'm with an audience of one. God watching me, me pleasing God. And hopefully, as you hear the messages online and virtually, God feeds you, and then through that you'll grow. In your relationship with him but all authority has been given to God to Jesus the resurrected Jesus everything do you give your life to him does he have all authority over you does he have all authority over your life or are you still keeping some of those things and then here in verse 19 in this church we proclaim that we want to to know Christ to become like him and to make him known because the becoming like him is, will be the result, the, 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 to make him known is the result of the becoming like him. The becoming like him is the result of to knowing him. So now, the primary verb in this verse, 
verse 19 is actually not go, but the primary verb is make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples. Because why not? Right? We are to not just share. Because once a person accepts Jesus, you know, I, I, I know of a brother who, who, who thought his job was done because a person that's very important to him finally accepted Jesus. So he thought his job was done, so he left. But this person that accepted Jesus was actually the first step. But there's a making disciple. There's the coaching part. There's the, the teaching part. There's a discipleship, the following so closely to show them, not just to share, but to also show them and to walk with them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, the power of Jesus, the power of God, overcame death, the physical death. God is truly powerful. So a believer, a person that, that claims to be a Christian and is not obedient to God, is basically saying, God can do everything, Everything except change me. Now I would I would submit if you're feeling that, if you're thinking that, I would submit to you that you actually need to reassess that and to actually look into your word. Because once you are saved, you're always saved, that's true. But once you're saved, there, there will be a change. Once God is true in your life and in your heart, your life will manifest this. Not perfectly, of course, but there's a the, the inner desire. If there's not that inner desire to, to follow Him ever so closely, I would doubt if there was really a, 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 a quickening in that spirit. Any country or person who knows the cure or vaccine for the COVID-19 or cure for cancer, or any disease or infection that kills others, must give that out, must share that in order to save other people. It's the same with the gift of salvation. It's the same with our gift of salvation. We are to share that and we are to make disciples of the people that we share Jesus to. There has to be that because that's the greatest commission from Jesus. In 2 Timothy 2, 11-13, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with Him, with who? With Jesus. We will also live with Him, with Jesus. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. If we are His we must have been crucified too with Him. Our old self, our old sinful nature must have been crucified with Christ too. If we are His, we are to make sacrifices for Him. And most of the time, those sacrifices are denying ourselves of the things from the old that we used to do or we want to do or we enjoy doing. Or the new things that that's appealing to us now, but we know is against God's will. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross. Luke 9.23, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily, 
daily, daily. Praise Him, because even if we are faithless, He remains to be faithful. That's, the, that's our resurrected Jesus. That's our God. Always faithful. Never. Our, our, our salvation doesn't depend on us. Our salvation all depended all on Him. And praise God because He was faithful. He never, he never disobeyed God. He was always there. Now the value, I know I used this illustration before, but I feel like we need to do it again. The value of a U.S. dollar depends on the U.S. government. The, the value of any monetary from any country depends on the economy, how strong the economy of that, that country is. Now at 1,000 pesos, Philippine pesos, to a dollar now is 20 bucks. It's ten. It's one dollar to fifty. If it's a dollar to fifty, so it's twenty dollars. So a hundred dollar, you a hundred U.S. dollar is more than one thousand Philippine pesos. So the value of a person who accepts Jesus as his Lord or her Lord is now valuable to God because not because of that person. Because of how good that person is, or how many good works, or how how faithful he or she goes to church, the value of that person depends on who their Lord is, and that is Jesus. And Jesus is always seen. We are seen inside Jesus. We are seen inside Jesus. No matter how unfaithful we become to to God, God always sees His Son, us in His Son, not Him in us but us in Jesus. And I praise God for that. Just as he said, Matthew 24, 14, so you, almost, you, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. We've been talking about the promises of God, just as he said, just as he said. The one thing that Jesus also said that He will come again. He did say that he will go to the cross, he will die on the cross, but he will rise from the dead in three days. And he also did tell us in the Bible, his disciples and us believers, and anybody that would care to lift up the leaf of that Bible and read it, that he will come again. And he will come in an hour that no one expects him. Just as he said, Christ died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. In conclusion, the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved that everything that has been written down about Him, everything that He said has come true and will come true. To the unbeliever, Jesus suffered and died on the cross for your sins. He died the death that you were supposed to die. He lived the life that you were supposed to live. If you accept His gift, his sacrifice for you, you are guaranteed heaven now and for eternity. To the believer, may the truth and the power about His resurrection empower and encourage you to live for Him. May the truth about His crucifixion bring out love for Him, that you will deny yourself of all your sinful desires. May His faithfulness to His promises encourage you to continue to live for Him. 
Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we ask that you ingrain them in our hearts and in our minds throughout this week for our entire lives. Lord Jesus Christ, you won, you had victory over death. And we thank you for your great love and sacrifice. We thank you for giving us hope of everlasting life and salvation through your cross and resurrection. We ask for your healing for those, again, Lord God, who are sick. We ask for help for those who are in trouble financially or, or trouble with their hearts and minds because of loss of jobs or, or whatnot. Lord, I, I pray that you give them peace as they surrender everything to you. I pray that they will trust you, your words, that you will never leave them nor forsake them. May everything that we learned this evening be reminded to us, Lord God, about your faithfulness, about your power, about your love. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. <laughs> all right, let's uh, sing the closing hymn. Um, so if if you uh if you this is the first time you're joining us, please make sure that um, you let somebody know. But more but before that, I want to offer the gift of salvation. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus, uh, pray this prayer with me, because this might be the only time. This might be the the, the opportunity for you to do it. So please, it, all you need to do is to accept that you're a sinner. That the only way that you can attain God's forgiveness is not by you doing good works or praying many prayers, but just pray this. Lord, I accept that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all the sins that I've committed against you and my neighbors. Father, I, I accept your work on the cross. I accept your gift of salvation. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I thank you for being obedient to the Father. And I thank you, Lord God, for being who you are, the true and mighty God. I pray this in your Son's name. 